Welcome to another episode of Records Revisit, podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm your DJ, your MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. Joining me is the man who doesn't have any friends at Pitchfork or Enemy. He says, I don't have a sexy heroin addiction plaguing me, but I can still get down like Frank Poncharello on a motorbike. That's right. Here's my co-host That's from right. the left coast. Here's Wayne Fugate. Hola, Ben Hamid. So for this episode, we have a special guest. He is a songwriter, a bass guitarist, a guitarist, um, and he plays bass for somebody, Wayne, that we love here on the podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> and he's also making music and releasing under his own name. His most recent EP is called Midlife Pop Crisis. Please welcome to the podcast, Christopher Griffiths. What's up, guys? How you doing? Doing all right. Good. Doing good. Um, we are recording this a couple nights before thanksgiving so i'm ready to um i'm ready to stuff my face dude we uh we already cooked this we cooked over the weekend i have like a smoker in my backyard so we smoked all the thanksgiving foods kind of at once excellent so it just yeah. comes out smelling one of, like one of my dad's jackets just <laughs> <that's all. laughs> that's awesome all right well premise of our podcast fairly simple we talk about music but as we do at the beginning of each episode i ask the all-important question so Throwing this over to Wayne, what T-shirt are you wearing? I am wearing the last T-shirt I bought. I bought two shirts in Vegas. Uh, I'm saving the one for a, a later date, but this one has a like a sugar skull with the you know Las Vegas the Las Vegas sign on on like the forehead. It's pretty cool. I actually had it in the post on my favorite songs about Vegas on my Instagram. I have not paid attention to your instagram lately oh, shame will, on you i know i will go i will go rectify that after this um how about you christopher what uh what t-shirt are you wearing i um i'm actually wearing the wayne kramer mc50 uh tour the when he took the mc5 kick out the jams album and got together with like kim thale and bob gould from faith no more and kind of went and played it all live I don't know yeah. if you guys are MC5 dudes, but... Oh, I'm such an MC5 guy. I'm from Michigan. They kind of write it in your birth certificate. You got to like the <laughs> MC5. I'm a Kim Thale fan. Dude, he's awesome. That's oh, yeah. that's my guy. Uh, was just listening to some Soundgarden over the weekend. So, good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Um, I don't have anything uh, crazy. Wayne, um, I'm wearing my favorite not as not a surf oh, t-shirt when i got you oh that's popular <laughs> there you go i love it no it's not the one that you bought me uh, but i do love that one too i do have three not a surf t-shirts by the way but it's uh it's it's the um the the let go record album cover so anyways i've worn it multiple times on this podcast so i'm not doing anything original i've been told by the wife that um Every time I show her a picture of a T-shirt that I really like and say, you should get this for me for Christmas, um, the response is always um, monosyllabic. Just no. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> all she says is no. Um, yeah. And I say, well, I, I don't have as many T-shirts as Wayne. Yeah, you don't want to go down that road. <laughs> it's not a good comparison. Uh, first of all, I don't know that anyone has more T-shirts than me. That's true, but it's just a, it's just a, it's a storage thing. It's they're not expensive. They're just they take up a certain amount of space, and at some point, that closet becomes limited. 
I wonder if we can like raise funds for the for our podcasting hosting fees by auctioning <laughs> off some of your t-shirts. We should do that. That or make big giant quilts out of them. Or that. That's what my wife does. She kind of goes through my closet and if she sees a shirt that hasn't come off its hanger in a while, it'll end up in a quilt. Um, Cause I was looking for my Mike Watt shirt the other day <laughs> and, <laughs> and I just remember storming into the kitchen with this quilt, like, damn it, Mike Watt is not a, a quilt. Like just, it's a Minuteman t-shirt. Please leave it alone. Oh no. What, what are some of the other t-shirts that she has confiscated for quilts? Uh, she grabbed my Kylie Minogue t-shirt, but I'm not too mad about that one. Okay. Um, I had like a cool Run DMC t-shirt. Nice. Um, like there's another one or guy. two shirts from my one of my employers that apparently we're not mentioning. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like a couple things. My Lily Hyatt t-shirt. Yeah. She's just like she's like I want to make a, a memory we can wrap ourselves in. I'm like okay, but it already was a memory I could wrap myself in as a t-shirt. You would have to bring up the Lily Hyatt t-shirt thing. Yeah, dude. What would happen? Uh, the, the two times that I've seen her, she has not had an XL, um, for sale. Oh. So in fact, the last time, the last time that I saw her, she's like, I've got some smalls and mediums. And I'm like, yeah, that's not going to fit my body at all. <laughs> Maybe if I just sew two of them together. <laughs> Maybe. Right. Yeah. So, so I still don't have a Lily Hyatt t-shirt in the collection. I so. can't help you. I can send you some of my cradle of filth t-shirts from when I was in high school. If that makes it better, you can't wear them anywhere. They're awful, but no, no, we're, we're, we're good. We're good. We're good. I might have a guard t-shirt I can send you. No, we're good on that too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so tell us the Christopher Griffith story. So like you, you said you're from Michigan. What part of Michigan? I'm from, uh, well, really all over, but I'm from Northern Michigan, like the Traverse city area. And I lived in Detroit for a while too. And, uh, yeah, like, you know, Detroit Rock City. Absolutely. My, my mom had this, like, massive Alice Cooper vinyl collection. So she pretty much signed the deal that I was never going to be a doctor. It was just <laughs> like, here, dude, you're nine. Here's Roxy Music and Alice Cooper and Peter Frampton and the MC5. Go ruin your life. And so I did. I, I would, yeah. Usually, the next question is, um, "Were your parents into music?" I think you just answered that. Oh, oh, god! They were so, and they were polar opposites because my dad was like into Maynard Ferguson and big band and Miles Davis, and my mom was just straight butt rock, just like <laughs> anything, <laughs> anything you could leave smoke in a high school parking lot to. My mom loved it. She was into Mata Hoople and okay, so like. Just having one on the left and one on the right. And it was, uh, yeah, it was kind of a musical war in my childhood. Yeah. What What was your your first record or CD that you bought with your own money? With my own money? Yeah. B-52's Cosmic Thing. Okay. I think. And I think I appreciate it more now than I did then. I still don't like, appreciate it. Uh, you're not into it? Yeah, there's something about Fred. Well, it's just that when it came out, it 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 was huge. And like I say, we kind of had both Ben and I had heard uh, B-52s previously. And so Rock Lobster, Keisha yeah. Lorraine, and then you know, Rammy Kiss. And then My this brother, comes out and you're like, oh, this is 
It's one of those things like we had talked about before, musically uh, pretentious, like now everybody likes the B-52s. It was cool when just we knew who the B-52s were, but when everybody knew who they were, <laughs> then they then it was, yeah. they weren't as cool. Not, I just remember the, the song Rome. I was just really into the song Rome. I like yeah, the guitar oh, that's tone. A good song. Yeah, it's a good song. If that's like a Peter Buck thing or something, because I know there's some crossover there, but I was I was into it. If it makes uh, REM was my second one, so if that covers it a little bit, <laughs> that covers my spread. Perfect. Um, I, I'm on record of saying REM is my favorite my favorite group. Really? Yeah. I don't mean that sound like shock, but I think it's awesome. <laughs> I, I I think uh, a lot of people are like really. Because I think a lot of people just kind of go, REM's like just outside of the top ten, and I'm like, no. If if I need, if I need like a, um, I I don't mean to to make this sound derogatory, but like when we're doing lots of research for the podcast, we're listening to what the guest picks. Yeah, it's a palate cleanser. I like it. Sometimes I need to just go back shower. Yeah, it's like I, one of those emergency showers. Like, I got to get this the uh, radiation shower. I got to get this stuff off me. It, it, and it's and it's it's not to that extent. It's not that um, like I can count on on three fingers the records that I haven't enjoyed that we've talked about, and we've done 150 episodes now. So so it's not that. It's just sometimes you just got to go back to your roots. You got to go back to what you want to listen to on your own terms and rem is always that for me i can i'm always i'm always good with that you're just like after a week of nashville skyline you're just like i need some what's the frequency kenneth in my life pretty much yeah yeah (laughs) absolutely i'm i'm still good with some monster yeah absolutely see more georgia bands we're doing this again Um, absolutely And and we talked about um on the last recording, we talked about Pylon, so oh, wow. we're, we're we're covering all these, you know, Georgia bands. So I'll go mo- get a Mother's Finest record we could listen to. Sure, yeah, <laughs> crank out the driving and crying and everything. Yeah, let's oh, do it. Jeez, we're hitting them all. They're awesome. Yeah. I love yeah. driving and crying. Yeah, me too. Oh, me too. Um, all right, so I'm looking at your bio, and it says that you you played bass because you weren't good at guitar so at at what point did you say hey i think that i'm okay at guitar so i it, i kind of went back and forth so i didn't i didn't have a lot of friends growing up i had one friend and he couldn't decide what instrument he looked cooler holding so between songs i would flip from the bass to the guitar to the bass to the guitar because he was kind of a slacker and he would just never learn his parts so then when I went to college, I got a scholarship on guitar. And then I saw all the kids who were really good at guitar and realized I was not one of them. <laughs> that I was I was kind of here just on, you know, Freddie King licks and they were playing Pat Metheny stuff. And I was like, well, I can play bass for those kids. And I just slid over one instrument, you know, made room on the bus. And bass came really, really naturally. But now... I feel like I could play both pretty well. Like I feel like I don't feel threatened anymore. Either I'm more, either I'm more secure or actually. So you I'm can better. do the Pat Metheny. Oh yeah, I can do the intro to Bright Size Life, okay. and then I can do the Jocko bit too. I just can't uh, do the drums or both at the same time. How how many people were influenced by Jocko to play bass? 
to play base. Yeah. Or were they scared? Or were they scared when they saw how good he was? <laughs> Is he like the dividing rod? Like I think so. You're a bass player and you're not. Um, I'm not sure how many people started bass because of Jocko. Paul McCartney probably has that title. But right. I think when they decided to make the jump from if I, you know, I'm a bass player or I'm a bassist, like how serious am I going to get? Jocko was probably a pretty good dividing line of like, how, how, how bad do you want this? Cause I'm going to play a Charlie Parker solo on a fretless bass perfectly. You know, like, no nah, man, I'm pretty good with just saw her standing there. Like it's a really, <laughs> it's a dividing line. He took me a while. It took me a while. I think the first time someone played it for me, I was like, that sounds like someone moving furniture. Like, cause it just kind of bumps and like, so it took me a while to be like, no, I get it. I can hear it. I can see what it is. And, uh, it was a minute. Of course I was in Berkeley. So you get really inundated with it. You know, you soak in it, but, uh, yeah, I've definitely seen bass players who were like, yeah, Jock was the reason I play with a pick. Cause after I heard him, I just didn't want to chase the technique side anymore. Right. right. They just kind of gave up. <laughs> I get that. So, um, so we made reference to well, we'll just say you you you've played bass for Will Hogue. Yeah. Uh, which which albums are you on? I am on the American Dream record, and I'm on his Tiny Little Movies record. Okay. All right. But I I've played for some country artists and stuff too, and like I've been around. Yeah, so so the so the bio doesn't list out everybody, or are you just being, um, um, you know, <laughs> modest, uh, humble, modest? I didn't I didn't write the bio, and this is embarrassing to say, but I'm not sure I've ever read the bio, so it's. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get himself in too many trouble. Too yeah, you trouble. give someone you give someone thirty bucks, and they go, "Here's ten questions," and then they they kind of piece it together for you. But I've definitely had people be like, "So." You started touring when you were 13. I'm like, I did? Of course I did. Why wouldn't I have done that? You read my bio, right? Clearly. <laughs> I played every I played every beer hall and YMCA in northern Michigan. So I guess when they start asking you some really off-the-wall questions and, and you're like, where are you getting that from? You'll know that your PR person is just screwing with you. Dude, I just try to keep a straight face. I welcome it. If I'm... <laughs> if I'm if I'm going to have a history, i like it to be multiple choice. There we go. There we go. All right. Well, before we jumped on, we were talking about animals. Yes. And and um, I said, save it for the tape because we were getting ready to talk about um, one-eyed cats. So your video <laughs> for Take On You includes, is it just one one-eyed cat or is there multiple one-eyed cats? No, I have two one-eyed cats. Okay. Explain. Okay, so, um, you know, it's like anything. You want to live in this house, you can't have two eyes. No, you, uh, so we, um, we go to the rescue a lot and donate and help. And um, there were these cats, and they both were missing an eye, and they both had really sad stories of neglect or abuse. And so we got to talk, and they were like, we're going to take these two cats off your hands. And they're like, good, because no one wants them, like, they scare kids. The kids are scared of them. And uh, so I was like, okay. So we named one Mad-Eyed Meowdy from the Harry Potter. Okay. And then we named the other one Pickles because, 
I don't know. We weren't having a very good creative day that day. Pickle. We should have named him Nick Furry, but he's yeah. Pickles. Yeah. But the funniest part was when we got him home, we have these two one-eyed cats, and it wasn't explained to us that because of their surgeries were pretty recent, they hadn't, uh, they didn't have depth perception. Oh no! So like at night we'd be sleeping and they'd be playing, and we would just hear them slam in the walls at like full speed because they just uh, couldn't see. Like they had no idea how far away it was. They hadn't been one-eyed for long. Right. They was it was a it was a new thing in their life, and you would just hear them like it just sounded. It sounded like someone was throwing change-ups in my living room. Just cats, rah, and they just hit the wall again. And finally, I went downstairs and just turned all the lights on. Like, all right, guys, let's just uh, bring it down a notch. <laughs> but, dude, it was um, it was crazy just the first couple of nights. They got it together. They're pretty good now. One of them has like whiskers growing out of his eye socket. Kind of. Or is that both of them? So one of them, one of them technically has two eyes. Okay. But he's got a big scar over the the iris of his eye. Something happened uh, to him. Okay. So like it moves, but it's really just for show, just to make the other one jealous. And then the other one had a surgery <laughs> and he's just, he's in a constant wink and, uh, yeah, he's like his hair over that eye grows grows really high, and um, this is a bit gross. But sometimes when I'm sleeping, he'll climb on me and scratch his missing eye on my chin, <laughs> like on my beard stubble. And I'll just wake up and he's doing that, and I'm like, "All right, buddy, that's that's creepy. that's gross. <laughs> that's, that's creepy." creepy. <laughs> I do a little voice for him when my wife catches him. Like, are you staring at my eyes? In my eye. <laughs> Dude, he's just, he'll just be purring and scratching it. And I'm like, that's so weird, dude. Please stop. If you were a human, I'd file charges. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the rest, the rest of the video, is, I, I'm assuming are fan shot videos of them with their, with their pets. Is that, yeah. is that accurate? Yeah. I never made a video before, but I figured with COVID people couldn't really hold it against me if I just took a shot. And, uh, yeah, I asked them all to send videos and people sent me all their, their weird animals. It's great. I mean, there, there are some weird animals. I think there's a three legged dog in it and I don't remember all the other interesting pets in there, but. Oh yeah. There's some, there's some good ones. Yeah. All right. Um, who are some of the other, we, we talked about Will Hoke. So who are some of the others that you have, you've played on their records? So in the, in the country world, I played for Crystal Shawanda. She's like a Canadian blues country artist. Yeah. And um, there's someone named Jackie Darlene who's coming out, who I played on her record. And then um, I produced and wrote on a record for a girl named Tara Lynn Fister. She's really good. Y'all should check her out. Okay. It's like a, uh, it's kind of like an Emmylou Harris sort of thing, but it's really quirky. Nice. 
And then uh, I played bass on the road for Keith Anderson for a while. And he's like a big country dude. Uh, I think Wildflowers was his big song. But okay. Oh, um, okay. that was like my first jump into kind of a bro country situation. Yeah. Because I moved to Nashville and I was like, I'm going to be rock and roll in Nashville. And then I started looking around going, actually, I'm really broke and hungry. I'm going to play some of this bro country. <laughs> Never and, mind. Yeah. I had to yeah. get the haircut and the jeans that look like they just got out of New Orleans, and I'm just going to go do it. And I did for a while. It was cool. Like I, I mean, I can't hate people making a living. No. Nope. But I would just get in my car and put on REM at the end of the day. <laughs> there you go. Once again, palate my decontamination cleanse. shower. That's right. Yeah. Do the palate cleanse. All right. Everybody hurts with my dumb modern country haircut. <laughs> Um, all right. So, uh, I mentioned the EP midlife pop crisis. So, uh, explain the title or is that just pretty self explanatory? Yeah. So, so like we went into quarantine and all my tours and stuff got canceled and I'd bought a Moog synthesizer from a friend of mine and I just kind of bought some studio gear for the house and I was like, screw it. I'm going to make an EP. And I just started doing it with like the Moog, trying to learn how to use it. And then I would sing. And basically it's my big tribute to Lucky Star by Madonna. Like I just, <laughs> I love the way all those synth sounds on that record or like stop making sense. Like I like the Tina Weymouth stuff. And uh, so I just kind of started like trying to program drums and at 808 and, and using synthesizers. And I got done and I went, this sounds like music sounded when I was growing up, kind of. So I said, well, it's a my midlife pop crisis. I waited until I was 38 to make a pop record. Excellent. I thought I read something that said it's garage rock for disco lovers, which oh. absolutely made sense when I listened to it. I did say that. I was very smart <laughs> to say that. Yes. That was you me. Nailed it. Yeah, you nailed it. I will say what it, what it's missing. You You need on one of the songs, you need to have an 80 sax on it. Dude, where have you been, man? Where have you been, producer? Yeah. yeah. I and maybe that's just where my my headspace is. So on um this weekend I went up to Virginia to pick up my daughter from college. So she's home for the holidays. I stopped at a couple goodwills along the way and I found Wayne's gonna make fun of me when I say this. So maybe I should mute his mic. Most likely. Um so Music from the edge of heaven from Wham. <laughs> oh no, come on. We're all, we've all, it's we, okay. We all listen. We, we, we okay? A different time. We okay? We, right. we all listen to it. But, but there's, yeah. but there's that one song on there. Um, what is it? Uh, uh, where did your heart go or something like that? That has, that, that's essentially the same 80 sax riff careless as whisper. Careless Whisper. <laughs> And it's, hey, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Absolutely, absolutely. So you need to figure out need to figure out how to just do that particular riff. You don't need to know sat. You know how to play sax. Don't reinvent the wheel. Yeah, just figure out that riff and throw it in one of your upcoming songs. For you know, it won't even be the same key. I'll just stop the song and have the sax solo and be like, <laughs> thinking of you, man, and then just go back with the rest of it. Perfect. Perfect. All right. Um, I don't even need production credits for that. Oh, I think you're getting it, Ben. I think it's, okay. I think it's <laughs> All right, perfect. 
Um, all right. Uh, one song off of that. I got to ask you. So you have a song called My Dream and My Adidas. So oh, I'm yeah. assuming I'm assuming you're an Adidas man or are you just a run DMC man and want to sing about your Adidas? Well, like I said, I I, I wrote the lyrics after I wrote the song. But um, yeah, I'm Adidas guy. I think shell toes never go out of style. Absolutely. Like I, I um, I've always been a shell toes Adidas guy, and I think the story on that song was my wife and I went to Miami, and we went out to go like salsa dancing at the clubs you do in South Beach, and the shoes I brought were so uncomfortable that I was just like cold sweating the whole night long, and the Adidas store was open, so I went and bought a pair of shell toes. <laughs> so I was basically <laughs> dressed in your Scarface white like Tony Montana outfit with a pair of shell toe Adidas. And so I wrote a song about it. Cause I thought that was hilarious. I, I see nothing wrong with that fashion. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just me and a Bahama mama in a white silk suit wearing shell toe Adidas. I love it. I love uh, it. Yeah. Best. pairs of adidas do you want first of all i have yet to get one it's it's what? almost traumatizing though because as a kid i was not uh my parents didn't have shell toe money there was right. no way around it so now they're it's i'm like I, I can finally afford these i i and i just haven't gotten around to getting any but it's yeah it's 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 like a dream that i don't know i'm, I'm scared to attain it because i don't know how it, it probably won't be what i want it to be but yeah, Dude, I, I literally coveted the shell toes. Maybe if you would life. stop spending your money on T-shirts and just buy a pair of damn Adidas, maybe, you know. Sell like two of your extreme T-shirts and then uh, and just uh, or whatever band. Extreme is what I just assumed you had. Damn. And uh, I think it was damn Yankees. Damn Yankees. Yeah. These shell toes will take you higher, sir. It's your coming <laughs> of age. Signed Ted Nugent shirt. That's right. That's so you're right. Jo- you're joking. But I have one. <laughs> oh, I, yes, I am joking. I have I have more social distortion shirts than any other shirt. I toured with them. Yeah, yeah. Mike Very Ness nice. is so awesome. He's he's so great, dude. One of the guys from the Taz Jam Band just told me like, or not from the Taz Jam Band, from the Margot Price Band, told me like, well, they're cool, but you won't see them a lot. Like you'll kind of be on your own thing. I was like, bummer, because I've been list- I've been skating to this guy forever. And when we got there, Mike helped us unload the trailer. And he was just oh. like, yeah, man, it's so cool that you guys are here. Like, he just was really cool. And they actually changed their set list because I said that they weren't playing ball and chain when we started. And I was like, I really wish you guys would do ball and chain. And that night they that- played it. And I can't, you know, it's that's funny that you say that. I saw them on their 40th anniversary tour just I mean, I guess it was about a year 
prior to September. And I, when the lights went on, I'm like, this can't be happening. They didn't play ball and chain. I was literally, I, I don't think they played, uh, I was wrong either. And I'm like, I, first of all, this is all a prank. Hold on. They're coming back. <laughs> this is, the show's not over. Huh. Yeah. I can't I, now believe, I, I Now I, I got to go look. I got to go look to see if, I know that I've heard Ball and Chain because I saw them back in the 90s when that was still part of their set list. But the last time I saw them was them opening up for Foo Fighters, and that was, what, 2016? Now I got to go look I at the set list and see if they played. Well, it. I saw I them at the Showbox, and they played they played Ball and Chain. I want to say just before they did, they ended with Ring of Fire, I believe. Okay, but yeah. When I saw them, uh, which what's funny, Mo- Flogging Molly opened up, and they didn't play Drunken Lullabies, which I was like, first of all, what? they played uh, What's Left of the Flag, so I was all right because that's their best song. But they didn't play Drunken Lullabies, and I'm like, I don't understand a Flogging Molly show without that. But okay. But yeah, when when Social D didn't play Ball and Chain, I I it's just it, I I was convinced I like I'm the only one left in the arena because I'm convinced they're coming back. They're not going to leave this without playing that song. Yeah, yeah, they weren't at first. They for the first couple of shows they were doing two Johnny Cash songs, and then like show six, I said it, but I think some other people said it, and it went into the set list after Angel's Wings, and. Okay. Uh, one of the best parts about being a touring musician is not losing your fandom. Cause like some touring musicians lose their fandom where they're just like, I want to load out and go to big boys. I don't want to deal with this. Yeah. And dude, every night on that social detour, I walked out front and kind of changed my hat. So no one would bug me and just really jammed. And I dug it, you know, I mean, that's a band I saw when I was 18 yeah. on like a warped tour type thing. Are but, you um are you rethinking um uh the album choice? Maybe we should have done a social D. Oh. I mean, in a way, we kind of are. <laughs> yeah. At this point, yeah. <laughs> we could yeah. We could. You get right. near the you get near the end of that record, it starts getting a really socially D kind of thing going on. All right. So, what's your score for? No, I'm just kidding. But yeah, we that that's one that I think that's a band that we need to do an episode for Wayne. Oh, you do not have to twist my arm. Okay. All right. Any future guests want to pick social distortion? We're down for it. So, or we just have Christopher come back next year. Yeah. Like that, that might not be the, that might be the way to go. All right. That might be the way to go. We'll keep in touch, Christopher. I'm having fun so far. We should. Yeah. You guys just pick records and I'll, I'll, I'll BS about them. Perfect. All right. So why don't you tell us what record you, you did pick for this episode? I picked uh, the spade by Butch Walker. Cause I'm a, I'm a Butch Walker freak. All right. Like I'm a really, really big fan. I am. And I didn't even know it. Really? Yeah, I didn't. Like I say two of my biggest guilty pleasures are pink and bowling for soup. And he is, you he are is a, all over there. You are a stuff. big Butch Walker fan. Yep. That is what I found out. Yeah, I. Uh, it kind of goes back to a story, but when I was like 18, I was working overnight at a classic rock radio station in northern Michigan that was changing formats to a modern rock. That used to be a thing. Modern rock radio station. Right. And so we would try out the new songs on the overnight. So like Fountains of Wayne or Alien Ant Farm or whatever. See, they'd give me a CD and be like, play this one. Like, All right. 
And I was just contemplating, I was at a divide in my life, whether I was going to go get a real job or pursue music full time. And I got the uh, Marvelous Three Ready, Sex, Go record. And I put it on and it came on and I just started turning it up and up and up and up until the country DJ down the hall came down and went, hey, man, turn it down. I'm like, no, I don't think I will. <laughs> and uh, I shut the door and I just listened to it. and It was really snotty and cool. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I quit. I'm going to go find a band, live in my car for a year and just try to make a go at this. And uh, it happened. So that's cool. But like. Butch Walker, right there on that day when I made the decision whether I was going to be a lawyer or not. <laughs> perfect. I remember that day. Yeah, perfect. So, so this is the Spade is Butch's sixth studio album under the moniker of Butch Walker because he right. was on. He was. Um, I'm trying to remember. Is it South Gang? He was yeah. in South Gang. Yeah. That's his hair band. Yeah. Yep, the hair metal band. And there's like a funk band in there too that he was in for a second. And then the Go Out All Nights, like which I guess is still technically Butch Walker. Yeah. I, man's been around. He uh, He's a phoenix. And I was looking at his production credits. Yeah, me too. Completely bonkers. I... So, so going back to my my goodwill finds Wayne. So one of, one of the records that I picked out picked out for you know it's a dollar. So I'm like I'll take a chance. Was one of the Panic at the Disco records, and ah. um, so I'm listening to it. I'm like, man, you know. And this was just after I listened to Butch Walker. I'm like, man, this sounds like Butch Walker. And then I pick up the 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 CD, and sure enough, look at the back and it says produced by. Butch Walker. Butch Walker. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just so here, here are some of his production credits. So I, I mentioned the Panic at the Disco. That year, he also produced Fallout Boys Save Rock and Roll. Before that, um, Pink. Um, he did a song on Taylor Swift's Red, The Wombats. There's a Weezer one in there too, I think. There is a Weezer one, oh, Rat- two, Ratitude. Ratitude. Yeah. And the next one after that. Oh, did he do he did a second one? A, I thought he did the second one. Yeah, I thought he did the one right after Ratitude. Okay. I don't huh? have that down. Oh, I do have it. Pacific Dream, Daydream. Yeah. Okay. And of course, uh, our guy, Wayne, Matt Nathanson, helped yeah. with Sings a Sad Heart, Sings which sad is, songs. which I've already told Matt. That's my favorite. That's my favorite Matt Nathanson record, and um, sure enough, that is because we've got some Butch Walker on that. So, yeah, guy knows what he's doing. This and and Wayne, this would be the reason why Butch Walker has never returned um, the, the three emails that I've sent to his management team about how <laughs> we would really love for him this. to come on the podcast. Yeah. He's just he's too damn busy for us. That's really what it comes down to. I think he produced, and I might be wrong, but I think he produced a Seven Dust record too. Yeah, he did. Which I feel uh, like we should throw in with all these cool the bands. I mean, Seven Dust is cool. Yeah, but- I want to say it's the one with praise on it because that's that's probably my favorite. Uh, I guess it's not that one, but yeah, Seven Dust. Could, but I thought it, enough credit. It, it might balance out Taylor Swift. Like, hey, Taylor Swift and Seven Dust. These are the same. 
we have no problems with Taylor Swift on this podcast. Oh no, she's no. so catchy. I, we've we've done a we've done a Taylor Swift episode. Yeah, I thought that last record was awesome. The I really got the, the one oh, that yeah. just came out. Yeah, the Americana one. Yeah, I uh, I plugged Great. it up in the in the kitchen, and I was I kept kind of just looking at the uh, Google speaker like. Is this really Taylor Swift? And he's like, yeah, it's Taylor Swift, Chris. I'm like, sure. But uh, I was into it. I thought it was fantastic. And then, and then a song that sounds like Boney Vare comes on, and you're like, oh, that is Boney Vare with Taylor Swift. All right, cool. <laughs> we got we got to run diagnostics on this thing. It's all messed up. Yeah, that's great. And well, he also did one of my probably my all time favorite Canadian band, uh, Hot Hot Heat. He did one of their records. Okay, I'm right. gonna write that down. He did a, the Donnas. He did one for them. It wasn't their best one, but it was still it was good. I oh. like them. Now I'm looking at this. Um, uh, he also did Painkillers. Wayne. Oh, Brian oh yeah, Fallon. by Brian Fallon. Yeah. Um, which, like I say, Steve McQueen, that's one of the, that's that's on my top five Butch Walker produced songs. I think probably Steve McQueen's probably right on top of the list. Maybe we should just do another episode of our, our top ten butch walker produced songs i that's not a bad idea <laughs> that would be a great episode <laughs> we should we oh, should yeah. get we should get like an atlanta guy to come with us to kind of like <laughs> show us up yeah maybe we should just do it from atlanta that's what we should do dude do you think fred schneider would come on that episode with us no, <laughs> oh, that would be just, so much I'm, fun I'm, there's I'm, no way that wouldn't be fun that would be a lot of fun all right um enough with butch walker's uh, producing credits. So why don't we talk about this record? So how, how did you, how did you get introduced to this particular record? Was it just, you were already a Butch fan and you're like, yeah, this is, this is, this is my favorite Butch album. So I, I was a big Butch fan and I was, um, listening. I was writing a record with a dude named Anthony Oreo at the time. Okay. Who was getting really, um, we were trying to get out of this like commercial country knot that he tied himself in and he, he didn't want to do it anymore, but he couldn't shake it quite. So I was giving him records of like Elvis Costello and John Prine and Ani DeFranco. And I was just trying to shake them loose. And I found my, um, I liked you better when you had no heart record, which is the first black widows, Butch Walker, black widows record. Uh, it has hair bands on it. It's really good. And um, I started playing it for him in the car a lot. And then that kind of just ended up being the album we listened to constantly to the annoyance of our friends. Every jukebox we saw, it got played. And uh, right around that time, man, Butch started saying, well, I got this new record coming out with this. Uh, and the difference in the spade compared to the other ones is he actually had a real band that he put together for this record. It wasn't just like Butch in his studio playing all the instruments. Like, yeah, he made a he made a band and had a band experience. So when this came out, I was pretty primed for it, and I was not disappointed. I really, really like this one. Now, do do I know any of these names from other stuff that they've done? Because they the got guy, the guys in the of, band. Yeah, none of none of them had their own Wikipedia pages except for the two that have that provide backing vocals, which is Michael Trent and Carrie Ann Hurst, which you may know better as shovels and rope. So they got, I love, I love them too. Oh, they're great. I, I, in fact, going back to Lily Hyatt, they, uh, Lily opened 
for them the last time I saw Shovels and Rope. So my like best friend drummer in the world, the guy I make all these records with, yeah, was the drummer on that Lily Hyatt record with um, the night David Bowie died. Yes, Alan Jones. Mm. He was the drummer on that. Okay, and uh, yeah, dude, she's so killer. Yeah, yeah, she's. Let's call her. Let's see what she's doing. <laughs> um, but yeah um i know that the drummer he ended up using on the record because i saw the documentary because i'm that kind of fan um okay. he was in a big band and i keep wanting to say mars volta but i know that's not it but it's a similar it's name patrick keeler um who's, oh. who's really good at google um, yeah are we gonna <laughs> pause for the cause yeah all right uh, so i I know there was like a dude from Atlanta that he was trying to use, but then the dude couldn't go to LA and he ended up using an LA drummer. Who's a big, big rock drummer. Um, Patrick is the drummer. Rack and tours, Afghan wigs. So one of those bands would probably be considered a pretty Keller. That's Keller, not Keeler. Is it Keeler? I got Keeler. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and put a five. It's the dude from the rack and tours. Okay. Yeah. Just we'll, we'll go with that. Gut check. Total gut check. All right. He does have his he does have a Wikipedia page. Why wasn't it linked on the the spade? Um all right. Whatever. <laughs> I don't think personnel is actually listed on the Wikipedia page for the spade. Maybe not. Maybe I've found it somewhere else. Yeah, he's got a good pedigree. Played on Loretta, Loretta Lynn's, Lynn's record, which Afghan I Wigs. think Jack White was on that one as well. So that's that makes probably, a lot of sense. Yeah, that makes sense. So he's he's in the Jack White circles. Not bad. That, not, that is not a bad circle. No. It's that um it's that East Nashville mafia. All yeah. those guys kind of run together. Oh yeah. Holly Go Lightly, the Greenhorns. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he's just starting out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Um anything else? I mean, if you if you look at Butch's um, like his Spotify numbers, not not super downloaded, you know, couple million for 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 some of the songs, but um, his fan base though is pretty dang passionate about loving Butch Walker. Though they're pretty vocal, they're really crazy. And the last time he was in Nashville, I went to the show. And I loved it, and I laughed, and I cried, and everything super fans do. But I saw one of my friends in the backstage area, and I'm like, I'm going to go sneak around the back, and I'm going to meet Butch Walker, because I never have. And I snuck around the back and ran into the entire audience. Like, they were all just waiting outside the back door for Butch, like Elvis. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to do this. So I waited around about 20 minutes. And that I said, I'm not going to be one of these fans. I'm going to go home. And I waited about 20 more minutes and he came out, jumped right into an Uber and disappeared as he should. But, um, they're, they're very dedicated. Yeah. They're the black ops of rock and roll fans. There you go. There you go. All right. Let's, let's jump into this track by track. So as a reminder, our scoring is based on number of songs on the record. Wayne, how many songs on this record? (laughs) This is how many songs should be on every record. Ten. <laughs> Which means our top song is going to get ten points. Next favorite song, nine points on down to the lowest score of one. So let's kick this off with Bodegas and Blood. Into a bodega, why 
and um, I had I, I I had to go out and Google because I wanted I wanted the exact definition of what a bodega is. Oh. Well, I don't I don't live I in New York. I looked to find out where it was just because I knew it was in. I could tell it was for, in New York. Yeah, it's in Soho. You can tell I'm in the burbs, and I've been in the burbs for 20 years. Um, so it's a so it's a small owner operated convenience store. So its its name is derived from the Spanish word for wine cellar or storeroom. That's what I got off the interwebs. So, um, good way to kick off a record. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I'm glad he used the word bodega, though, because if you say wine cellars and blood, that sounds like a ghost <laughs> song. Uh, yeah. All right. So anything on the lyrics that we want to talk about? Uh, yeah. Number one. So there's a reference to uh, blood flowing from her legs, which makes total sense with winning streak, because I felt like that was some sort of not maybe not a shot at Mick Jagger, but Mick Jagger was on a losing streak in satisfaction and Butch Walker's on a winning streak. And I just felt that after that, the lyrics about the blood uh, from her legs uh, down to the bathroom sink, I felt like he was, he was at least referencing satisfaction in some way. Oh, I would not have picked that up. That's why I keep you around Wayne. <laughs> yeah. For the Rolling Stone references. That's why I I keep you around. Maybe dig too deep on this one, but, but I love the (laughs) guitar, the two guitars that has a real, almost like a kind of a little bit of a Santana feel that just goes along with bodegas. It just, he just fit it right in. Cause everything with Butch Walker on this is, is guitar driven. I mean, this is, he's it. One thing about this record is there's nothing, there's nothing bad on here. Maybe there's not like a super hit that everybody heard on the radio, but Scoring it was difficult because there is this is this goes from very Solid. good to really good. There's no there's no bad songs. There was no songs I skipped. No songs I didn't like. It was hard giving out. It was easy to give out the one, but it's only because that song just didn't seem like it fit. Like it would have been better somewhere yeah. else. Yeah, dude. I I I'll be honest with you guys. Like I picked out my favorite one, and then the other numbers are kind of a dartboard because I'm like, I don't really listen to this album song by song. I just kind of put it on, you know, it's like, uh, like old Elvis Costello records. Like it's a, it's a, it's a through listen. I listen to the whole thing every time mm-hmm. waiting in my car to go in the gym. Just like, Nope, just three more songs. So over the last couple of days, I've listened to this on a road trip and I've also listened to this on a morning walk and both of them, uh, it it works for both of those scenarios. <laughs> just, well, it also so works you know. for fifty year old guys because I think the recurrent theme in in this record is nostalgia. There's almost yeah. every song deals with some maybe not distant past, but a variation from all the way back to your ancestors to last fall with some girl snorting snorting coke in the bodega. I mean, he's got this whole. It's all it's all nostalgia. Almost every well, song. And you have it here too, like a consignment store that deals with things from the past. Studio 54 is obviously a New York callback. Yeah. But I think the Mr. Harris reference, the Match Your Mick Jagger reference, is a reference to Jeff Buckley's third grade teacher in Memphis uh, when he first started learning Spanish. 
I'm oh. just kidding. Okay. But you had that really, yeah. You had, we'll, we'll, you had that really cool uh, McJagger. You had that cool McJagger thing, and I had nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you got to sell it though. You, if you would have never said another word, I would have. I would have <laughs> gone. Wow, ultimate <laughs> researcher. Yeah, let's not have Chris back. He's intense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. This and, one. Uh, this is a good song. Yeah. Let Let's Let's get scores. We'll keep we'll keep talking about all all the rest of these uh, wonderful tunes. So, Christopher, your score? I was a six. And then Wayne, four. And this is my five. All right. Next song is "Every Single Body Else." on the record gave me a, a, a like every song I could hear his his influence that he put on other people this one definitely had kind of a Weezer Ratitude area feel to it um, but I think ultimately my score sank for lines like Bud Light Tan I mean, isn't it Bud Light Tan um, and Little, then there's yeah. Eyes Like a Doll and the Crocodile Mouth I just didn't know that this I just once again I like this song. I don't, there's not a song on here. I don't like, but this one lyrically, I felt he wasn't his strongest. Okay. What, what do you guys think about all the, um, the studio antics that they keep in the ending of this? Yeah, that's, that's the other thing at the end that I got in my notes, the chatter at the end, usually when they, when, when someone does that, it has, I don't know, it make either, it makes you laugh or it, it, it sets you up for the next song. Uh, and this one, it just seemed like they just left the tape running too long. Yeah. <laughs> and it's in some of the other songs as well. Yeah. But I think it works better for the other songs for some reason than I do this one. And this one has that pretty serious T-Rex vibe going on for the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's a, and I guess and this is, this is probably, this is just me, but um, I want to say it's the female vocal says something about take a solo for yourself. And then yeah. the solo doesn't melt my face. Like it felt like you just called him out and he didn't answer. Like it was, a, <laughs> it was an all right solo, but it wasn't like I, if someone says in the middle of a song, take a solo for yourself, you should, you should just Jimi Hendrix the shit out of that thing. And he just, it was just a, it, I mean, it fit the song, but it wasn't, it didn't, didn't melt my face. I, sure. I think that's what I was looking for. All right. Uh, I will say, if you like the studio antics, go listen to his Christmas album. Yeah, that one's really uh, main. It's a mainstay around my house. Uh, yeah, and and there's some there's some funny banter in that one. What's the one where the guy starts singing "Blues Traveler" over Feliz Navidad? It's Feliz Navidad. <laughs> he just starts singing "Blues Traveler" for no reason. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while since I've listened to that one. Uh, it's it's now Christmas time. Uh, so yeah, I can, I can crack that open again. All right. Um, scores Wayne, what do you got? A two. And then Christopher. Yeah, it was a three. And this is my two as well. All right. Next song, summer of 89. Nobody knew Brian Adams wasn't cool. The TV just told me he 
hit or secondary hit. Yeah. So Wayne, considering that Butch is our age, um, he's talking about just a few years removed from <laughs> high school in 1989. How was um, how was the summer of '89 for you? Well, I think my my seventeen uh, year old wife was pregnant with our second child. Uh, I lived in a trailer in a trailer park. It was it was horrible. I, I, in hindsight, I kind of set him up for that because I was like, <laughs> I, I want to know what he's going to say. I was like, are those lyrics from the song? <laughs> They're, those are lyrics from my life. Uh, <laughs> but I love this song because, like I say, I love nostalgia. That's um, I just. But this is the second best Kiss reference outside of Surrender that's ever been done. Um, I love, I always, it's funny as I saw Brian Adams live on, in fact, Ben did also at the, uh, at the, the Journey Frontiers tour. And I had never heard of him prior to that. Um, so I absolutely thought Brian Adams was cool for at least another couple of years after that. And, and I saw him in the summer of 87 on the Into the Fire tour. So I, I, yes, I, I definitely still thought that he was cool. But I, I, I love the, he kind of ties it together though, in a, in a really cool way where, uh, was it that, uh, Jimmy quit and Jody got married, but Chuck stole all the gear and the drugs. <laughs> yeah. And I'm pretty sure that he's dead. It's, it's a really great line. So good. Oh, so good. Yeah. Let's see. So, uh, Christopher, what were you doing in the summer of 89? I had just gotten my first skateboard and I was probably playing a lot of Nintendo. Yeah. I'm 39, so that wasn't that wasn't too far along for me. Yeah. I was just kind of getting my wits about me. I was I was I was working two jobs, saving money to go on my church mission and then nice. getting my heart broken by Lisa. Oh, Lisa. Yeah. That's right, Lisa, you broke my heart. Have you seen how many t shirts this guy's got? I know, seriously. Actually, she she, out, dude. she's she's not listening, and I don't really care. So, <laughs> um, I I I won. Um, I was in a cover band once, and Brian Adams sat in, and we did cuts like a knife. Serious? And yeah, and I I didn't uh, I didn't know it, but luckily it's not that hard a song, so I kind of just put my head down and went. It probably goes like this, and I just uh, I mean I knew it, but I had never played it, and so I was just really sweating bullets the whole time. And I remember thinking that it wasn't Brian Adams. It was just a guy who looked like him, but it was Brian Adams. <laughs> Where was this? Wild Horse in Nashville, Tennessee. That's actually really cool. Did did he make you do the 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 na 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 those parts? I don't know about made, but I definitely you you did you, them. <laughs> you did it. You did it though. You, yeah. you sold it. You sold it. Yeah. So in Nashville, like when you're not touring you can play in cover bands to make a little side money. And I don't relish the idea of having a day job anymore. So I go do that. Can't do it this year, but I go yeah. do that. And so sometimes people sit in and it's always really cool. Jerry Springer sat in and sang family tradition by Hank Williams, which is weird. Okay. Vanilla Ice sat in and also sang family tradition. People must really know that song. Interesting. Um, we've had some different ones. Yeah, uh, J- the golfer John Daly sits in quite often. Actually, is that a good or a bad thing? It, I mean, it's reality. <laughs> he he sings. Um, every every rose has its thorn, and knocking on heaven's door. Okay. My favorite is when the people in the crowd don't know who he is. Right. 
because yeah. they they just can't figure out why this is going on. Yeah, <laughs> that kind of reminds me. Um, have you seen the David Lee Roth video where he's in Vegas? There's like a bachelor party going on at this really nice hotel in in Vegas, and they're playing Van Halen, and so he it's- thinks he thinks. Um, I'm going to go surprise them. I'm going to go up to their penthouse apartment and surprise them. And they don't know who he is. They have no idea who he is. I love that clip so much. Oh my gosh. It's, <laughs> it's one of the best. Um, and that's something that happens to dudes like David Lee Roth. Like it's yeah. not like he's a bad dude or anything. Just no, that personality is the personality that's going to get the, Hey man, can we help you? <laughs> yep. Let's get scores. Wayne, what do you got? This is my favorite song. I mean, from the the first two verses are kind of hypothetical and they're real uh, like that, that built, you know, paper mill job, you know, 45, three and four kids. And then that last one is seems very personal. Like that seems very autobiographical. He makes some references to teachers kind of letting him slide because he's been playing clubs all night. Uh, I just this was my favorite song. Yeah. All right. And then Christopher. Uh, I think I wrote five, but that's okay. <laughs> Dude, that last verse really is with the way it builds and builds. And he just keeps saying, when do I become or when do I become? And he does that in another song called Going Back or Going Home, where he kind of breaks down and gets really heart to heart. And uh, yeah, it just feels really good the way he does it. I definitely have punched my steering wheel a couple times to that song. Absolutely. All right. Um, and this is my four. <laughs> And then, of course, there's banter at the end of this song, too. Um, and then next song is Sweethearts. Oh, yeah. You you guys didn't do it right. When I say Sweethearts, you guys are supposed to answer. Sweethearts. There we go. There we go. That's, that's how it's supposed to be done. All right, Wayne, what do you got on Sweetheart? Um, and this one kind of, it has a very uh, Rob Thomas kind of that solo stuff. Uh, even the guitar has a very, has it's almost like, a, it's like Santana with, with missing something. Like it's almost like eating a burrito without hot sauce. Like you, I know that this is a burrito, but there, it could be done better. But this, the rhythm of this song and, and those riffs kind of that, that come in between uh i just i just really liked it yeah i wrote i wrote in my notes santana riff (laughs) so i like it well christopher what do you got on sweethearts i think this one's a hot one i think it's seven inches from the midday sun uh absolutely i like this one i like i like love songs that lyrically like aren't just all sugar all the time and in this one he definitely says Hey, maybe things won't be perfect, but at least we'll love each other, you know? And, uh, I don't know. He's very tongue in cheek on it. And I dig the melody. 
I dig the breezy beach tone of it. Um, yeah, I'm into it. Yeah. Kind of a punk rock Huey Lewis sort of thing going on. Is nice. this as close as uh, close to a love song that Butch would write? On this record? On this yeah. record, for on sure. On this record. Definitely on this record. Yeah. I think he has some other love songs in other places. Mixtape. I'm having trouble coming up with one. Yeah, mixtape would be one. Yeah. I think the best thing you never had is a great love song. Even though he's obviously a little irate at the situation, lyrically, like, he's obviously very in love. Yeah. All right. Um, anything else on... Sweethearts, sweethearts. I sing for a living. Um, (laughs) I'm a four. All right, Wayne. Five. And this is my three. All right, next song is Day Drunk. Guys, we're clustering up nicely on these scores, I think. Yeah, yeah, we're all over the place. I love the kick drum beginning and I love the long outro here here. So this is going to explain my score. I feel like there's a story behind the song that I have no context about. Anyone else? I love feel the that title. Uh, I just love the title because day drunk to me is a commitment that says I have a problem and I don't give a fuck who knows. Like it's, <laughs> it's rock star, but it's also, yeah, I'm an alcoholic. Fuck you. Yeah, re- remember what I said at the beginning, Christopher, about PG-13? It's Wayne who always disregards the PG-13 thing. That's okay, man. I, I, do, it on, yeah. I do it on purpose now. He does so it just to piss point. me off. I'm a guest, so it's like, if you wear your shoes in the house, that's fine. If I wear my shoes in the house, that's kind of <laughs> rude. Right, Wayne? Fucking A, right? A, that's right. right. But at, at this one, I love the. It's got this melodic or this uh, methodical pace that's the, that the bass kind of sets up, and you and you can hear. And then it's got these great like early '60s, you know, uh, you know, almost like you know Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons kind of harmonies in the in the chorus. Oh yeah, I love that guitar part too. That that part's cool. This, I mean, the lyrics of this are obviously a pretty raw, open wound as you look at it and um, I know the story behind it. So uh, Butch was drinking in his hometown with friends, day drinking. And he sat down and kind of looked at like the street he he used to hang out on. And it was all kinds of new coffee shops and new punk kids with new bands putting up their flyers. And in that minute he felt his rock and roll mortality. And at the same time he was dealing with his dad's um, terminal disease so we kind of just sat down on the stoop and just kind of took it all in and wrote this song. And I guess he talks about it a little bit, but it's about watching his, his hometown kind of surpass him. And uh, yeah, it's great. He's got a documentary about this record and you should watch it. Like he's, he's such a raw dude. I, that's what I love about songs like this is like how 
open hearted he walks into it. Like no shielding, just this is me. You know. Now I feel like an a hole with my score. Nah, don't. <laughs> now, now that I know what the context is. All right. Um, this is my one. Really? And not that I don't like I don't like the song. I just didn't know what it was about. And now I do, and now I feel bad. Uh, Wayne, your score? A seven. This is one of the ones I, I really like. Like I say, I got the the nostalgia part of it. I definitely got the the hometown back in your hometown and seeing how it's changed. Uh and then the first reference to his father. I think the second reference to his father is is out of this world. But uh yeah, this was a seven. This is high for me. And this is going to make you feel a lot better. I gave it a two, and I knew all those things. Okay. Well, I don't feel quite <laughs> as bad then. All right. Um, all right. Next song is Synthesizers. Mm-hmm. No sexy heroin addiction plaguing me, but I can still get down like Frank Poncherello I love this song. Um, I got to ask, though, because uh, so the lyrics of I didn't name my band after an animal. I don't have any feathers or neon clothes. So who who is he throwing shade at? Hair metal bands, white lion, white snake, glass oh, tiger. OK, it's, uh, you know, yeah, <laughs> well, I think that's an acronym. Kind of. <laughs> But still, they did deserve it. <laughs> uh, we won't spell that out. Um, yeah. And, and how can you not love a song that talks about Frank Poncherello on a motorbike? Yeah. That's that, right. That, yeah. Like the whole thing is is just soaked in 80s nostalgia from the Duran Duran yeah. in 1985 to Frank Poncherello on a motorbike. The absolutely ripped off Dexie's Midnight Runners, Come On Eileen. Absolutely uh, did. Part to it, which is, I mean, it, it would be, if it wasn't on purpose, then you, you, you know, you, someone might not like it, but it's absolutely perfect. If it wasn't for those first like 55 seconds, Cause once it's, once he, cause also it ends the, the, the part for me that really, that drag it down a little bit is that first part. And then he ends it with, well, after two good, uh, he's got three, you know, kind of references in there to, you know, Duran Duran in 1985 and Frank Poncherello on a motorbike, but Sacagawea in a paint fight makes literally no sense. And once, but once he no. finishes that and he kicks in, you know, they kick in the synthesizer piano and he just goes all oh, come on Eileen. It's 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 magnificent is the word that I wrote down in my notes. Dude, that 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 outro is so great too, that all the vocals going on. Yeah. It's just fun. And that's oh, that's yeah. what I really love about this this entire record. It's just fun. Like it, it I, I would say if you know, going back to what I was talking about with palate cleansers. This would be if you're if you're having some doldrums or or maybe Wayne if we have to do another you know Rufus Wayne what record? Sufjan Stevens <laughs> record um, this might be this might be the record that we do a palate cleanse with oh absolutely and like I say I love how he he brings himself into it because he's not a critical darling so he calls out Pitchfork and NME um, and then 
this was 2011. It might, but when he says, you know, uh, a sexy heroin addiction, it always makes me think of Pete Doherty, who was just, everybody loved him, but yet the kid just couldn't get out of his own way and stop shooting heroin. Uh, so there's, he still brings it. He still has these grittier real life lyrics in this song that just, you can't, oh, and that chorus just soars with, and it, it in and of itself says, just be happy. You know, what is it? Uh, uh, for once in your life, won't, won't you do what don't feel, don't do what feels right instead of waiting for the next big compromise. Compromise. Yeah. yeah. Did you guys see the video for this one? I did not. You know, I, I watched zero videos to prep for this. So should I? I assume there weren't any. So do you remember the movie Days That Confused? Yeah. Absolutely. And then Matthew McConaughey's character in that oh, yeah. movie? Oh, yeah. Matthew McConaughey came back. Butch is barely in the video. He's like a bartender in the back. Matthew McConaughey came back as that character to be in the video for Synthesizers. And it's just all him right, walking right. through like an L.A. nightclub being Matthew McConaughey. It's fantastic. Excellent. I probably have seen it, but it's been, you know, yeah, eight or nine years since I watched it. All right. I, I got I got some I got some homework to do after this, Wayne. This is my nine. Wayne. Eight. Christopher. It's an eight. All right. Next song, Dublin Crow. This is the song that Wayne referenced doesn't sound like anything else on the record. Um, So you gave it a lower score because of that. I gave it a higher score because I like the fact that it was a little different from the rest of the record. Well, did we lose Wayne again? No, that just doesn't make any sense. That's I'm just, it's it's (laughs) more of stunned silence than anything else. Uh, Wayne's processing. Yeah. No, and like I say, it's just too bluegrass for a power pop record. It's but this is some of the best bluegrass I've ever heard. But it just on this on this record, it, it gets the oon. Is it because you hate Scottish people? No, I actually I <laughs> love that part of the you know because like I say, I said this whole thing is about the past. It's all about nostalgia, and this is this is looking into your literally looking into your ancestry to see why you behave like you behave, and to see if somehow you know not necessarily to put the blame on them but to just find some sort of justification for you know the tattoos on your arms or why you drink heavily whatever the case may be it's it's looking into your ancestry i mean so it's going even further back so christopher um forgive me for a moment because we're going to do some some analysis so wayne why do you have all those tattoos on your arms um I think because I, I wished I was in a hair metal band when I was in when I was younger and I, I had all those goddamn kids and uh, and I can't play guitar. Well, she has a song about that, too. Yeah. Well, I live that song. Uh, I, yeah, I think I have disposable income and a, and a creative sense that I want permanent. OK, perfect. All right, Christopher, any last words on this one? Yeah, I um. 
I think of its own merit, I really like this song. And if it just came on out of the blue, I think I'd be into it. But when I listened to this record, I kind of skipped this one quite a bit. Um, it's not like I didn't want to hear a bluegrass Kula Shaker song, but it's, uh, yeah, just with the rest of it, it kind of, I don't know, I skip it. All right. All right. Um, it's the Brussels sprouts of the record. There you go. All right. Well, I don't feel that way. This is my seven. Wayne, your score. Ooh. Yeah, I'm one. Yeah, okay. Um, all right, next song. Closest thing to you I'm going to find. Mm-hmm. Saying things that always seem so right But when the shine wears off at the end of the day I'm left with the tab and not a word to say Cause I see your face when they turn out my light so I keep another night by this fire and drink some wine. It's the closest thing to you I'm gonna find. My notes here are I had synthesizers as my top song up until last night. And I listened to this again while I was kind of marinating on the lyrics, and there's something about the guitar solo and ah. the horns fading out at the end of the song. Like it's just both? a mood piece. And I freaking love both song. those things are in my notes. My score doesn't reflect it, but both those things that you said, I think the best guitar solo on this, on this record is on yep. this song. I love when somebody knows when to use horns and when not to use horns and not to blast them through the whole thing, just put them in the right spots. He absolutely nails that. I love that. It's about California girls and New York girls and Georgia girls I wish he would have sold this song to some bro country act and made it a huge hit. It doesn't, once again, I don't know that it feels, it feels right on this record for me, but it is absolutely a fantastic song. And I wish this was being played on country radio right now. I don't, I don't think they would though, because of the lyrics. Eh, They're a little misogynist, but you know what? Get get caught up in the politics and race. I just smile and shove the cotton further down my ear. Yeah, country radio would probably be more upset about that lyric than anything about a girl. Yeah, yeah, they wouldn't care about any of the girl stuff. They would be like, "Oh, you're talking about politics and race? How dare you!" But I love the the steel guitar (laughs) effect that's on the on that they use. They give it that kind of that steel guitar feel to it. But like I say, at the end Mm -hmm. of the day, it just with every I it was much it was a little bit of the same of the previous song. It doesn't it doesn't necessarily fit, but it's absolutely (laughs) fantastic. I I love so I love lyrics that kind of take you on a little bit of a journey and I feel like it this one does cuz he starts with I'm going to I'm um you know I'm going to drink some wine and keep another night by this fire cuz it's the closest thing I'm going to find then he talks about um cigarettes for the night and then he ends it with and my hands are full of this sticky sap from your backyard Georgia pine it's the closest thing to you. I'm going to find, I mean, that's just brilliant. It's great. Love it. Well, and then he sings that last line with all that just good Georgia soul rock. Like absolutely it's that big note. Yep. That's when I sing in my car off key, you know, just give it a good scream at the windshield. Dude. He's, he really killed it on this one. I, I'm totally enraptured by all the lyrics and the song just really serves the lyrics super well. Yep. This is my 10 laying the gauntlet down. Christopher, your score. 
I think I was a nine. Yep, nine. And then Wayne. Ah, three. It's gonna hate me, but that's he's. I'm sorry. Not as sentimental as us. Oh no! Negative five, Wayne. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next song: Bullet Belt. I'm just going to throw it over to Christopher because I, I have the benefit of seeing scores. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this one's terrible. Um, <laughs> so we were talking about Shovels and Rope earlier. Shovels and Rope cut this on one of their records. Oh, oh okay. I think it's on their jukebox record or one of their cover records. But they they cut this song. I just love that the bass player stops the whole song so he can start the song. <laughs> that is yes. awesome. Yeah. 10 right there i don't need the rest of the song <laughs> an assertive bass player you gotta be kidding me who's that guy phil why not um i don't know i love the lyrics i love punk music and i just this whole thing with his dad about hey tell me all these terribly wonderful redneck rock and roll things about you and then he gets to that chorus and he says well i'm like that too so maybe i'm not out of my mind, maybe I'm just you. <laughs> and uh, I love the way the guitars sound. I, I love this song. Yeah. Uh, There's nothing about the song I don't like. So it's on their Busted Jukebox Volume 1. Yeah. That also includes uh, their cover of What's So Funny About Peace, Love, and Understanding. Don't they have a Springsteen cover on there too? Like maybe Johnny 99 or looking they've got, so unknown legend, bullet belt, peace, love and understanding patience. Boys can never tell. Nothing takes the place of you. Last strangers, perfect day. And that's a good one. Leaving Louisiana in the broad daylight. Now I got to go. Now I'm going to have to listen to this, man. You're giving me all sorts of homework. Yeah, I'm going to have to listen to this one, too. It's been a while. Yeah. yeah. I know they have a cover of Johnny 99, but I don't remember what record it's on. Gotcha. All right. But yeah, I just love this song. This is totally something I would write if any of my friends wanted to play this kind of music anymore. And and I love the fact that, so considering that Butch is, you know, this, this sought-after producer, I love the fact that he left that false beginning in at the beginning of the song, like he knew exactly that doing, the, doing that beginning and doing it twice is perfect, you know, formula for just a fun song and having it kind of all over the place. So. Dude. And it's got that good garage band grease on it. Yeah, I, yeah. I like this one. It sounds like a four track. Like I really like this one. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Wayne, any last comments? Oh, I could. Yeah, I absolutely love this song. I love that double beginning. I love, uh, you know, because he actually the second verse, I think, is is kind of geared towards mothers. But that whole idea of telling your parents that, you know, I spent all this time trying to be different. And it turns out maybe maybe I'm not maybe I'm not so different. But musically, it's got this great. Um, I mean, it's it's punk. It's old 
time rock, you know, oldies rock and roll. There's even this kind of grandiose, like Jim Steinman meatloaf kind of feel to it in, in parts. Yeah. Uh, and then I'd say I like the bullet belt cause it's so hot topic and considering like bands like, you know, fallout boy and bowling for soup that he panic at the disco. Yeah. <laughs> that he did. I think it's a great, it's just a great image to, to lock yeah. the song in. Yeah. <laughs> All right. The Donna's. Yeah. 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 All right. Um, scores, Wayne, what do you got? Nine. And then Christopher. Two billion. Uh, ten. And this is my six. And then we're going to wrap this up with Sucker Punch. What the hell happened? Oh, shit. I think I must have been Sucker Punch. Somebody's fist up my face. I love this song too. Yeah, I I texted Wayne earlier. So Wayne sent me his scores, you know, a couple hours ago. And um, what what did I say? I because uh, I always try and predict what what Wayne's top score is going to be. And I think I said um, I'm slipping with my predictions of your top songs because you gave this what you didn't give this your top score. And you know what? I I didn't see this coming. I feel like I just got sucker punched. <laughs> It's super fun. I think it's a little over the top, I guess, maybe. Um, a lot of his lyrics and the others are, there's a little, there's just, I don't know, there's there's a, some subtext to him that that feels a little deeper. This one's, first of all, a countrified electric blues shuffle is unbelievable. This is the, the musically, it's, it's just a wonder, it's a great song. This is the one song that I wish I had another 10 for, but it, it, I think there was something over the top about it and something less complex as, as some of the other I know, stuff. But my notes, my notes here say sucker punch and in parentheses, it's called the Wayne Fugate blues. Like this is, yeah. this was you, <laughs> this was you in your early twenties. Oh, absolutely. I love to run my mouth and, but they never typically sucker punch me. They really just punch me straight in the face when I was looking at them. <laughs> And just said something about their girlfriend. So I had it. I had, I can't say I didn't have it coming. You had it coming. You had it coming. Yeah, you absolutely had it coming. All right. Um, Christopher, what do you got on this? I just love the line where he says, man, I hope I said something really good before I got sucker punched. Yeah. yeah. Which is a thought that I've had before. Um, and this is my guitar solo for the whole record. I just love that he comes back with his like hairband licks just for a second at the very end. And then someone in the band like whistles, like that was a lot, dude. You know, like I love the whole sound of this song and it's hilarious, but I really identify with a lot of it. Cause I, cause for the same reason Wayne does. And uh, yeah, I like this one. Cool harmonica solo. Yeah. I, I just like, should Lots we also, terrible- should we also put in parentheses, Christopher, <laughs> Christopher's blues yeah. song as well. I, I love ending it with a big hang yeah. like this though. That that I think this is the way you wanna you wanna go out just with a big a big roundhouse and just a big fun you know like I say I think there's the, I think he says motherfucker yeah. in this one so I mean you really just just let it all go it's in the chorus like, it's in the chorus seven times hey this one's for radio um 
<laughs> do, you, do you think there's a track list somewhere where it used to be the closest thing to you I'll ever find was the last one? And then one day he was just like, no, nope, yeah. going out with this one. I could I could see that. Yeah, I could so, totally see that. Because what do you put after this? It's impossible. You, you, you can't. can't. This is you how you to. end it. This is how you end it. Yeah, a the record. mic has been dropped. You're just walking <laughs> off. I've seen him close his show with it too, and it's like 19 minutes long. And he runs out in the crowd and starts drinking people's Jameson shots, and the band slamming like it's it's a good one. Yeah. I, I bet when he wrote it, he's like, I can't wait to play this live. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, um, Christopher, your score. I'm a seven. Wayne, six. And this is my eight, and I'm and I'm still absolutely shocked that my score is higher than yours, Wayne, for this song. Wow, he, he, he drew me in with all that <laughs> sappy nostalgia from them. I know, but you know what? I Brian, mean, he drops Brian. mfers in this. Hey. You know, that's that's like your you get you you give bonus points if you swear. In, in songs. So but Butch Walker, he, he, swears in, he swears in almost all the songs, so he can't use that one. <laughs> all right. It's got like a Jay Giles outro. It's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. So this is the point where I go, did we miss anything? Did we cover everything? I think we've given it the most attention of anybody. People should should be listening to Butch Walker stuff and not just the records he's producing for other people. Yep. For sure. I think out of all the records by Butch that I would play for my friends, I think I would definitely just give them this one and go, man, get a whiskey and turn this up really loud because it's really great. Yeah. And and he gets pretty he gets pretty heavy and political on his last album. Yeah, that album's really quirky. Yeah, I, I um I really like it. And also, it's not my favorite Butch record, but it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. Um, any guesses on what our number one is? Because we were all over the place on on our scores for this. Synthesizer. Synthesizers. Um, that is a tie for first. Oh. Well, so, then. So what's the other one? Bullet Belt. Bullet Belt. Yeah. So those are those are our top two songs. Uh, closest thing to you, I'm going to find, uh, even though Wayne tried to tank it with, with his three, um, that was third. Um, Sucker Punch was our fourth, and then Summer of 89 was our fifth top, top score. So huh? that's pretty solid five, though. Oh, yeah, yeah lowest, lowest score was was actually every single buddy else, because um, I gave Dublin Crow... Um, Extra points for being different, which, of course, you know, Wayne's giving me crap about. So, whatever. Christopher, this has been fun. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, man. Thanks for thanks for picking this. This was good. Dude, this was cool. This was fun. I had a lot of fun. All right. So, um, last question. Uh, we lift this from a fellow podcaster here in Orlando who does the Scotch and Good Conversation podcast. So who do you know that I don't know that should come on our podcast to talk about one of their favorite records? Oh, everybody, man. No, um, <laughs> well, I think it might be a bit of nepotism, but I produced that, that girl, Tara Lynn Fister, and yeah. she just had her video on TV. She's doing 
you know, she's doing good. She's got like 15,000 streams of her last single. Cool. And uh, she was on a TV show for a while, but she's quirky and cool and, and out there. You should check her out. All right. All I right. think you dig her. Okay. And I produced it, so hopefully you dig her. All right. Um, let's, uh, let's chat offline and we'll make that happen. Yeah. And then tell, tell people where they can find all of your happenings. I have a website. It's uh, ChristopherGriffithsMusic.com. But if you really want to talk to me, uh, Arrogant Bass on Instagram is probably the safest way. And bonus, I put pictures of my pets up like every day. Yeah. So it's all one-eyed cats and pit bulls. There you go. <laughs> it's, it's perfect. All right. Uh, as a reminder, you can find all of our old episodes by going to recordsrevisitedpodcast.com. You can find all of our happenings on the socials. I man the Facebook page and also on Twitter at Podcast Records. Wayne is on the Instagram where can they find you? Records Revisited Podcast. Which apparently I got to go check out some Vegas picks. Um, I will do that after we're done here. Actually, I will do that after I watch the synthesizers video because apparently that, um, that major faux pas on not watching some Matthew McConaughey. All right. Be a lot cooler if you did. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Um, you can find uh, uh, all of our episodes also on all the major platforms. So go subscribe and rate or review us on all of those. So thanks for listening. Please go support the arts. I would tell you to go to a live show, but you know the drill right now. So, you know, go support your favorite musicians with any of the live stream events that they're doing. Make sure you go buy a t-shirt of the band. Um, provided that they actually have XL. Yeah, I'm talking to you, Lily Hyatt, again. Um, buy a record, visit a record store, and not just on Record Store Day. We are Records Revisit, and we are out. out. That was a longer pause than I thought it was going to be. Sorry. Sorry about that. It's okay. <laughs>